0: glad you're here. I'm Dawn Tree and this is the podcast for people who love someone with autism, Atypical Parenting. I'm thinking of changing the name soon because I started the podcast with this name, Atypical Parenting, and as it's evolved over the last couple of months, I've been covering topics that are super relevant for parents but also for other people who have people that they love in their lives with autism, like grandparents or spouses even. So I'll keep you updated on that, but stay tuned for a name change coming soon. But today we're going to explore a topic that's been really weighing heavily on my mind lately. And that is the idea that maybe as parents and caregivers, we don't always know what's best. And as a statement, that sounds super obvious that no one always knows the right answer or the correct answer to life's problems. But as parents and caregivers, we are put in a position of authority over our children. And it's inherently our responsibility to guide and to help them grow into healthy, happy, functioning adults. That is all that we want at the end of the day, at least I think most of us. But the more I think about this and the more I am learning more about autistic people as they advocate more for themselves now, is how often are we putting our expectations on them that really are questionable? How often are our hopes and desires for our children or loved ones more about us than they are about them? In past episodes, I've talked about encouraging people that we love with autism to go outside of their comfort zones. And I still stand behind that because we all need a cheerleader. We all need someone who believes in us more than we believe in ourselves on any given day. I have to wonder, though, how often in attempting to guide them Do we actually push them to a place that doesn't honor their authentic selves? Authenticity is a topic that a lot of people are talking about. Brene Brown does a whole series of talks and she's written a wonderful book about being vulnerable. In order to be vulnerable, we have to tap into our authenticity. We have to allow others to see who we are at our core. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And that is authenticity. The real you. The you without all the masks on. And so as humans, we are flawed, right? We're parents who are human and we are flawed. And each one of us has intrinsic biases, which are subconscious stereotypes that affect the way we make decisions. When we're making decisions for our children, in helping to guide them and lead them and to encourage them, those biases are coming into play. The biases can come from family, like the family we were raised in, maybe from the religion that we align ourselves with or against sometimes from our friends. But I think mostly it comes from societal expectations and norms. We all know that society changes radically in short periods of time. Think about 50 years ago when back in 1970-ish, many, many women were homemakers and that was their expected womanly role, right? Like the joke, barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. That was kind of a joke back then. It was okay to say because a lot of women loved being mothers and housewives and taking care of things. But that was a societal role that a lot of women also were forced into because of lack of other options. It wasn't their authentic selves being allowed to experience the world on their terms. Think about being gay. Prior to 1970, did you know that it was a mental illness listed in the DSM as a valid diagnosis needing treatment? So my point is that over time, societal norms change. And many of the decisions that good parents make today look very different than decisions made in 1970. And when we're making decisions based on something as changeable as societal norms, are we really making decisions that will contribute to the highest good for our children? Or are we sometimes making terrible, life-altering mistakes? As shitty as it is, the mistakes that we unwittingly make in parenting can affect our children throughout their entire lives, especially when those mistakes lead them to feeling different or less than. When I look back on raising my children... I made a lot of mistakes. And I made mistakes because I followed the parenting advice of very traditional professionals. I was raising my children in a born-again church, and I was very proud of that, and I was very committed to it. And there were a lot of good things that I did for my kids in that tradition, but there were also a lot of things that really were not so good and really were damaging. Things like spanking that was advocated back then in the church, and I don't know if it still is now, but we know that spanking statistically leads to really bad outcomes for our children down the road when they're adults. And when you think back on your own childhood, I am so sure that most of you can recall a decision that your parents made for you that affect you still today in some way. Parenting mistakes cause emotional wounds. As we focus on autism in particular, the idea of autism as an illness versus a neurodevelopmental difference comes into play. Because in our society, when we talk about illness, we're talking about something that's not good, right? And especially when it comes to illness that affects your mind or your behavior, people are blamed for that. Even other illnesses like diabetes. How many people are blamed for diabetes? Oh, it must be what they're eating. It must be that they don't exercise enough. Well, no. There are genetic risk factors and, quite frankly, the food supply in America that lead to these high rates of diabetes. But we will blame the person nonetheless. And it's the same in autism. Because when you are looking at autism as an illness that needs treatment and needs therapies that will extinguish certain symptoms... That can be really problematic. In calling autism an illness, we are unconsciously telling our children that they are different and that the autistic symptoms that we're trying to change are wrong. Feeling different from your family can be isolating. Growing up, I felt like odd man out, right? I was the middle child. My brother was super smart, still is. He's wonderfully successful. And my sister was the baby with red hair and chubby cheeks and super adorable. And then there was me. And I didn't have a role, and I felt different from my family because I was never living up to their expectations. You know, I was flaky and flighty. I had untreated ADHD, and I just never could seem to live up to my potential. So I felt different. And that felt isolating because feeling different from your family is isolating and feeling like a behavior pattern that you didn't choose such as flapping or self-stimulatory behavior being told that those behaviors are wrong leads to shame and affects a person's sense of self the way a person is responded to by others especially the people that they love directly influence how that person comes to see themselves it is a large part of how self-worth and self-esteem are developed Back in the 80s, way back then, it feels like the other day to me, but back in the 80s, self-esteem was like this thing. Oh, we want self-esteem. We want self-esteem. We want self-esteem. And yet nobody was validating kids. Nobody was helping them to see that they are perfect just the way they are. You know, we encourage them to play sports and to have everybody gets a trophy so that will build self-esteem that doesn't build self-esteem that just teaches you to be lazy and not to bother to try what do we need to build self-esteem we need to teach our kids that no matter how they are how they present themselves what they are struggling with they are on our team and we are on theirs So if you want your child or your loved one to feel good about themselves, examining the ways that you make them feel less than is a really important thing. A lot of therapies in autism are aimed at getting rid of maladaptive behaviors. But are the behaviors in autism, some of them are maladaptive for sure, 100% full stop. And we need to help them with that because those things cause distress and they cause them to suffer, right? But are all of autistic behaviors problematic? They are definitely not. But sometimes they're interpreted that way. Like I said, stimming behaviors like flapping or fiddling or clicking, right? Like those are ways that autistic people soothe themselves. And self-soothing at its core is a really healthy thing to do. And when we talk about autism, as a disease or an illness, despite the fact that we know it's simply a biological neurodevelopmental syndrome, we are doing a lot of damage there. Because when a child's mind is seen as unhealthy in some way, that point of view is based on the people around that child and not the child themselves. Because the behaviors of autism, the sensory sensitivities, the odd affect, the things that are just simply a part of who an autistic person is often make parents and caregivers uncomfortable based on intrinsic biases, right? We want our kids to act, look and behave like they should. And who's shooting on you? Who are you to shoot on your kids? Right? Like who are you, to say what's right or wrong? When you're using societal norms as a gauge and nothing else, you are definitely getting it wrong. And when looking through this lens, are we parents trying to correct things that would be better left alone? And by better, I mean healthier for the child's long-term wellness. When we interpret our children's natural inclinations or characteristics as defective, our children are going to incorporate that feeling of being defective into their sense of self. I do think people with autism need treatment, but I think that that treatment needs to be focused on the things that cause them suffering or are maladaptive, like insomnia, right? Your human body is designed to sleep. Insomnia is something that needs to be treated. It's very common in autism. Obviously, I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner. A lot of what I do is treat people for psychiatric diagnoses. And I also treat people with autism. But the difference is I don't treat the autism. The autism is fine. The autism is not a problem. It's the symptoms that cause distress for the person with autism that need treatment, like anxiety. Many people with autism are perfectly happy, well-adjusted humans. And a lot of times when they aren't, It's caused by societal reaction to their differences and not to the difference itself. As parents and loved ones, we really have to ask ourselves, who is uncomfortable? Is it the person with autism or is it us? And if it is us, we need to take a closer look at that and figure out why that is. When we dig down deep as parents and loved ones, the root of discomfort with certain symptoms of behavior in general is about our own vulnerabilities. And we might feel vulnerable because of how other people perceive us. We might feel vulnerable because it's uncomfortable to be out in public dealing with an autistic behavior that other people think is weird and and they're looking and judging. But mostly I'd like to think that we feel vulnerable because we're afraid of potential suffering for our child or our loved one that they might encounter out in the world. And so the thought of their suffering becomes our own discomfort. And it is that discomfort that motivates us to try to change them. Now think on that for a second. I know it's sort of convoluted and I went all the way around the block to get to this point. But when it is our discomfort... That motivates us to try to change our children. We are coming at this from the wrong direction and we are not working in ways that are going to contribute to their higher good. At the end of the day, all we want is for our children to be happy and fulfilled and functioning and self-sufficient and finding some sort of joy in this very difficult thing that we call life. We have to remember though, that what we see is the happiest and most fulfilling life for them is influenced by our own stuff. And it doesn't have anything to do with them a lot of times. So if you're encouraging your child to change integral things about themselves for fear that they'll be judged out in the world, you are really not doing them any favors and you yourself are setting them up for failure because when we go out into the world trying to be something or someone that we're not, We will never find happiness or fulfillment. Many adults with autism are now asserting that autism is a rich identity, even if it's also a disability. And if you're listening to this, you know that autism is not always sunshine and butterflies, like I like to say. Some days suck for sure. They really suck bad. However, no matter what the person that you love with autism does, how they behave, how odd or weird or whatever else other stupid perception that other people might form, I know that you will love them with all of your heart unconditionally until the end of time. And now is the time to put that emotion into action. Do that by not only making sure that you don't judge them or try to change intrinsic things about their personalities, but by encouraging their beautiful uniqueness in all that they do and dealing with ourselves when we feel that internal cringe in worrying about what other people think. Because if our person is happy, if my son is happy and confident and knows that he is enough exactly the way he is, then I've done my job and that will be good enough for me. So next time you decide that your child or loved one needs help with something or needs to work on changing something, think long and hard about why you're having those thoughts. Is it because they are genuinely suffering or is it because of your own internal biases and fears of their suffering? I hope if you've heard some of these episodes that you know by now that I see you I see you living in the trenches every single day and I have tremendous respect for you because you are a warrior. Hold on to that and be proud no matter what the world says.